0: The hurling pod on OTB Sports. I look at the way Picking celebrate I look at the way Limerick celebrates a monster, right? To, to, to go, where we actually want to win the Leinster. You know, or the treatment is just another game another step
1: and step That's a, that's a question I have. Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM
0: with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Shane Hannon, a very good morning to you. How are you getting on? Good morning guys, how are things? Yeah, very well. Uh, We didn't really touch on the Formula 1 at all over the last couple of days. It was a busy sports weekend. Uh, We are in the middle of uh, Baku and
1: Canada week. So give us the top line from Baku first of all. Yeah, top line from Baku. It's hard to believe actually we're we're just over one third of the way through the season now. So it's kind of flown by the first eight races, uh, it has to be said. But um, yeah, a lot of excitement in Baku and I guess the top line is is Max Verstappen. a familiar top line and we're used to him being kind of that side of the grid but um he had a very very good day all round like when you think about the the leaderboards after i think it was australia after race 3 uh, like charles leclerc had had such a commanding lead um over over the rest of the field and you're starting to think this is ferrari's year uh, leclerc is doing well carlos Sainz is is an excellent number 2 driver for ferrari as well like he was 46 points ahead um was charles leclerc over Verstappen after that Australian Grand Prix, he's now slipped to 34 points adrift of Max. So that's an average loss of, of 16 points per race since that Australian Grand Prix. So all of a sudden, you, you just kind of see how quickly Formula One can turn on its head and the lead can can slip to someone else. But yeah, I mean, Max Max had a fairly good weekend. His pace was was, was so strong, in fact, in back with the weekend and Sunday guys that the, the team radio were basically telling him to, to slow down and decrease his pace. Um, to, to kind of save save wear and tear on the car and on the tyres as well, he did oblige and he did slow down, but his his lead still increased over over his teammate Sergio Perez uh, to eventually win the race by by more than twenty seconds. So, kind of shows how dominant he is. He's now won five of of the eight races so far this season, and and if we're being honest, um, as much as we want a, a a drivers championship battle like we had last year, he looks the far superior driver at the minute in the uh, the far superior car. Yeah. Like, that's the thing.
0: Is there a sense that maybe at the start of the season, the Ferrari brand was kind of front and centre and people were like, right, we're harking back to to, to the great old days of Formula One here where they will be contending and absolutely there's every chance that Leclerc will be in the winner's enclosure at the end of this whole season. Was was, was there a little bit of that, Shane? And maybe people didn't realise just how much Red Bull had to get their act together and how quickly they were capable of doing that?
1: Yeah, there was there, I guess there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of the the nostalgia, the seeing the red livery on the car, the prancing horse. Everyone got a bit uh, excited seeing a Ferrari car all of a sudden back competing again for for races and for you would hope championships as well to make it a little bit more interesting. But um, and and that's not to say that that Red Bull haven't had their issues. Like Max hasn't been been too happy with the, over, some of the oversteering on his car, which has kind of taken some of the pace away from him but uh, and then he's had that battle with Sergio Perez, which you can turn into a positive or a negative. They had uh, you know issues in in Spain that that Connor Mer- Connor sketches uh, mm-hmm. so effortlessly turned into a turn into a meme where Perez basically has to let max through um and doesn't like doing that you know there, there's they are teammates at the end of the day, but that's the joy of Formula One that they're also number one rivals that the guy you're you're, you're in the same car as is the person you want to, to, to uh, impress against the most but they, yeah the Ferrari thing is is fascinating because as I, as i said that that start to the season you're thinking yeah this is this is Charlotte Clare's year uh, the thing i'd be worried about uh, guys with 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 them uh, and with Charlotte Clare particularly he's had six poles so of the six or the eight races this this year he's been on pole position after qualifying six times he's only converted two of those into wins so seems to be an excellent driver on the saturday in qualifying and then whatever happens on the sunday um it just goes to pot really uh, as soon as the race happens whether it's Red Bull's race strategy and um, whether it's these Ferrari uh, power unit and engine problems that seem to have kicked in it's hard to know what what the issue is like you look at Baku at the weekend and you know Leclerc retiring from the race after 20 laps a power unit related issue Carlos Sainz in the same car had to retire 11 laps earlier um, and that seemed to be a, a hydraulics issue in the car but it's not just those Ferrari cars uh, Ferrari also work on the, the engines and provide the engines for some other teams. Uh, Kevin Magnussen's Haas being one of them, which suffered an engine-related issue on, on Sunday as well. And then the Alfa Romeo of Guan Yu also had issues on Sunday. And again, that's a Ferrari-provided engine. So all of a sudden, you're lucky at the power units of Ferrari and thinking something's not quite right there. A
0: C- couple of uh, comments to put to you, Shane. Ricky Lowe says... Max opted for a race setup instead of a qualifying setup. Looking back at it now, it was a brilliant plan. And then John Claffey kind of touches on a theme that's definitely been spoken about over the last little while. He says it's such a Formula One thing to do after such a brilliant year last year. They changed the rules for the cars, and now Max is going to run away with it. There won't be a championship for the last eight races. Is, is that on the money, or, or or are we kind of maybe overlooking? Maybe the way Mercedes have shot themselves in the foot a little bit themselves this season, or or can they just blame that on on the new setup and the, the new regulations this year
1: like to an extent they can they can certainly blame the regulations but um, and you look at you know when things are going wrong it 's very easy to look at the, at, the, at the regulation changes and say, okay yeah you know that's that 's not really gone our way um, like some of the great quotes from from christian Christian Horner, even after the weekend he 's talking about the fact that Mercedes are complaining about these porpoising issues on the car. Um, other teams maybe aren't complaining as much. Certainly Red Bull aren't complaining as much because they're clearly dealing with it. But certainly you have to look at the re- re- rule regulation changes. Like They have a difficult job, the FIA, every year. We, I mean, the, the issues with the, with the final race last year and, and Lewis and Max's battle and what should and should not have been done in, in letting, letting uh, Max pass the cars in front of him. Like, like they, they, they really can't win the FIA but yeah certainly the rule changes this year seem to have uh, gone in the favour of Red Bull and, and for the early part of the season uh, Ferrari clearly and their power unit was was something that was actually working working quite well, that's the funny thing now because Red Bull were asked about these um, stricken Ferrari cars after the race on, on Sunday and Verstappen emphasised with, with Charles Leclerc and said look he had a similar pattern of, of, of engine problems in the first three races of the season <laughs> but his quote was shit happens, that's racing so uh, he didn't have um, a magnitude of of sympathy for for his um, his Ferrari teammate or his Ferrari uh, colleagues, as you would imagine. So yeah, look, the the commenters are quite right. The the rule changes have certainly gone in in some particular teams' favors, but as we've seen with the swing since race three to the to the leaderboard now, anything can happen. So it's not all over yet.
2: Yeah, I had seen that at Red Bull. They were suspicious about Mercedes. That they're making a bigger issue out of it. And Lewis Hamilton, he actually looked to be struggling to get out of his car at the end of the race
1: like that that is and, and actually that's a fair point because, because to see a, a Formula One driver getting out of the car in, in the way in which like Lewis Hamilton is a man who loves a little bit of uh, a little bit of drama potentially anyway, but it's hard not to to feel sympathy for him when you see, when you see him getting out of the car like an old man um, after the race in Baku and like a lot of kind of formula one fans laughing online saying, oh, look at the, look at the head of them getting out of that car. But it's a serious issue because, um, this poor I mean, you talk about the, the dangers of, of mini concussions in, in sports like the NFL, like Pierre Gasly, I think was, was talking about the fact that he's concerned about these drivers being, having to use walking sticks by the time they're in their in their early to mid thirties because of, because of these issues. Um, and this porpoising issue, for like for anyone who isn't familiar, it's essentially aerodynamic issues that sees these cars bounce at the high speeds. So you can, you, a lot of people will have seen it on the straights. You kind of have those wonderful slow mo videos online during the races and during qualifying, where you can quite clearly see the cars bouncing. And um, and you're you're dead right, actually. Like Mercedes have been the team that have quite clearly struggled with that the most. And um, George Russell is is part of the the Grand Prix Drivers' uh, Directorate as well, and. He's talked about it from a safety perspective. He's actually been one of the most um, vocal voices talking about how dangerous it is. Um, and really, when you see people like like, like Lewis Hamilton struggling, and look it, it has been it, it has been getting worse like Toto Wolf I'm just seeing a quote here in front of me from Toto Wolf after the race on um, on Sunday. and he's saying Lewis is really bad. you can see this is not muscular anymore. it goes properly into the spine and it can have some consequence. The solution could be to have someone in reserve which we anyway have at every race. He was talking about Lewis Hamilton potentially not taking part in the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. Uh, that's how bad his back problems were. And having drivers ready to go. and Stoffer van Dorn, I think, and Nick de Vries are their two reserve drivers. Um, but yeah, th- this poor poising issue seemed to bleed into the rest of the, the, the driver's um, grid after Sunday. So clearly it's an issue that's not going away.
2: And why if, sorry, if for people that don't know, why is it worse for some cars than others? Like if some car is just getting it right,
1: yeah. Well, this is the thing. Dry, uh, car like, and this is why why some teams and and um, uh, team principals maybe don't have sympathy for for Mercedes. And um, so th- this this effort to get Paul Bosing right uh, brought out of the sport. There's a certain level at which cars can can um, be off the road, uh, in terms of the the chassis touching the track underneath. Mercedes is is quite low, uh, even in comparison to Red Bull. So. They're they're essentially sacrificing a little. You know they could bring the car a little bit higher, which would make the poor poising a little a little less dramatic, but that would sacrifice uh, team performance. Now that this is what Christian Horner is saying, he's saying Mercedes can't really complain because when the when they are capable of lifting the car even ever so slightly and making it um, a little bit safer for their drivers, then they can't really complain. Like he he's talking about these these calls for a rule change for Mercedes. Uh, and saying they're only causing a scene because their car has been so troublesome. He's saying the easiest thing is to raise a car. He was he was talking about uh, you should never run a car that's unsafe, and he says that's more for the FIA's technical guys. There are certain cars that have more serious issues, Mercedes being being two of them, um, and he thinks it's unfair to penalise the cars that have done a decent job with these poor pushing regulations versus the ones that have maybe missed the target, and he's talking about Mercedes there. Uh, but if you look at it, like, Daniel Ricciardo was another driver who had who had these issues on um, at, at the weekend, and he was talking about the general health. He said he never really understood all the the drama behind uh, Mercedes' complaints about poor poising uh, in the previous few races. But after after Sunday, you saw da- uh, Daniel Ricciardo bouncing around in his McLaren car as well. He says it's got worse and worse, and he sympathises now with everyone. He said after the race he felt rattled, um not good for our general health and well being. Was it was another quote that stood out. Uh, and he was quite clearly shaken. He, he spoke at one point about feeling like someone who'd been dribbled down a court by like uh, by Steph Curry, um, and and clearly these guys' heads are getting shaken. So you have some sympathy for, for Mercedes, but um, maybe they have to try raising the car, as Christian Horner said uh, before the, yeah. before really regulation changes come into effect. I mean, he, he would say that, and he would love that. He would love
0: nothing more than for Mercedes to just get a little bit slower, right? Like, and this is a this is a really interesting sort of dilemma that these teams are in that Mercedes and McLaren are both in that do you sacrifice speed for the sake of driver welfare like Lewis Hamilton doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's going to over egg the back pain he's, he's like one of the best competitors in the the sports history I mean hiding pain is uh, something that a, a lot of competitors do this is obviously a pretty bad scenario that he's in same at Ricardo, and the teams have the Power chain to stop this immediately, but it would obviously mean sacrificing their capabilities of going out
1: and trying to stop Red Bull this weekend. 100%. And and like you don't, you, you also need to point out the fact that at the end of the day on, on Sunday in Baku in Azerbaijan, uh, like George Russell finished in third, and um, so he got a podium. Uh, Lewis Hamilton finished fourth, um, and that's not been a result that he's been kind of capable of getting so far this year. So the fact that they were third and fourth on the grid in the, at the end of the race, uh, you know, and still having all these issues, highlights that they still have a little bit of speed. Certainly not the speed of, of Red Bull. And when the Ferrari cars uh, engines managed to finish the race, certainly not as fast as them either. Um, but they can't really complain. Like apparently the drivers by the end of this weekend uh, in those drivers debrief meetings, uh, 19 of the 20 drivers were reportedly on board with having these these regulation changes. Uh, no, and and that could mean anything really. That that's down to the technical engineers in order to, to kind of change the cars to to address this port issue. But uh, Fernando Alonso appears to be the only exception, right. uh, In terms why, of drivers,
0: well, I was going to ask, like, who do we know? Who the guy? Is? Why why does he why does he not support his uh, his comrades?
1: It, well, it doesn't really make sense, and I'm not quite sure why. He's why an old man he, as well. Oh, he's Alonso's. got the worst back at the lot, surely. <laughs> This is the thing. He's, he's like he's the old He's the grandfather of the grid. So you'd imagine he would have the the, the biggest issues. Maybe, maybe perhaps he's taken the damage is already done to me. Um, been there, done exactly that. had a long changed. career. So it could be it. But like when you see him not complaining about the issues and saying, "Ah, oh, it's grand. Let's not change the regulations right now." But then his his Alpine teammate Esteban Ocon is one of the other nineteen drivers uh, who is complaining, and he's in the same car as as Fernando Alonso. So like. It, it probably does need to change when you have 19 out of 20 drivers. Maybe they're waiting until they get the 20 out of 20 and they have the full support of the, the driver's grid before they change. But um, I, I feel like something has to change. As soon as drivers start talking about driver safety, um, and, and Lewis Hamilton was making the point as well, guys, that you know he's traveling down a down a, down a straight at you know ridiculous speeds. You're touching 200 miles per hour and, at, at points. If he manages to... He was struggling at, at, at that point, to keep the car on the grid, you know, the purpoising and bouncing was so bad that at that speed he could quite easily have um, gone off and crashed into a pit wall. It crashed into a, into uh, the side walls, and that that would have been uh, that would have been dangerous. Uh, and as soon as drivers start mentioning safety, and Daniel Ricciardo was another that did it. Um, I guess the FIA have to stand up and take notice. So Christian Horner can laugh at Mercedes all he wants, and of course he wants their pace to go slower. But um, but his driver is like
0: obviously there. His drivers want change, but Christian Horner doesn't want change. Is that, is, is that what we're seeing here?
1: Yeah, and and it's a little bit of politics as well. Like I, I think Horner is Horner is of the the opinion that it's easy for for Mercedes to complain, um, but he. he, he He's he's always going to disagree with what Toto Wolf says. Like anyone who's watched Drive to Survive knows that that Horner and Wolf probably legitimately and genuinely don't see eye to eye as, as human beings, um, pretend to get on in the press conferences and that sort of thing. And there is that little bit of uh faux outrage and, and uh battles that go back and forth. But uh, ultimately I think even Max and Sergio Perez, the two Red Bull drivers under Horner, know that that something probably needs to change. Like Max is good friends with with Daniel Ricciardo believe it or not he's, he has a, a fairly decent working relationship it seems with Lewis Hamilton as well despite all that went on last year so these drivers talk uh, you know on the grid off the track um so it, it probably feels like the, the the rule changes are going to come into effect but whether or not they'll bring them in soon um remains to be seen because of course uh, Mercedes wanted to happen Red Bull are quite happy as things as things go to, to continue on the on, on the way things are going but You'd imagine something in, 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 the next, in the next number of weeks will come to a head with this poor poising. And, and as it affects, it's going to take a big crash. Um, it's going to take this bouncing causing some some serious issue or, or a driver being quite visibly concussed in a, in a post-race interview or something, I think. Uh, in order to change it really. so we shouldn't get to that
2: stage. That's crazy. Like, it's so, so dangerous. And all the other factors that go along with it, like the heat that there was there at the weekend, Mm. all of those things must play a factor when you're in the car. Like, you know, your mind, everything like that in the heat. Then if you have this on top of it, the speed you're going, like surely something needs to be done before it gets to that stage and there is a bad accident.
1: 100%. And like, like um, listening to Lewis afterwards talking about, you know, he was just on the straight holding and biting down in his teeth due to the pain. That's how he described it. Wow. He said the only thing that really helped was was the adrenaline. And you can imagine at those speeds, adrenaline would get rid of a certain amount of the pain for you at, at that particular moment. But he, he like he, he f- found it almost difficult to express the the levels of pain that he was experiencing in the car. He was saying at the at the end of the straight, you just are praying for, for it to end. Um, but then he goes on to say, look, still a good result for the team, third and fourth. Uh, but as you said, actually, visibly distressed getting out of, out of the car. He said it was the most painful race of his life. Um, and, and he's had plenty of them. So, look, a growing number of drivers in, in support of this the, the, these rule changes in some way to banish the bouncing. But... Yeah, when you hear drivers talking about having to bite down on their teeth to, to stop the pain on a straight, that's that's extremely concerning. Yeah, so
0: maybe a lack of a competitive head-to-head so far in this year's Formula 1 season, but that is a significant enough storyline and that's one to, to keep an eye on over the next little while. So, Canadian Grand Prix this weekend in Montreal. Uh, thanks a million for explaining that, Shane. Just before we let you go, tonight in... Uh, Poland, it is Ireland against Ukraine in the final match of this international window, the 7.45 kickoff. James McLean was in front of the media yesterday. And uh, talked about uh, his home gym as uh, a sanctuary for him to, I guess, keep up the speed in his own fitness work to, to get fitter, to get faster. Stephen Kenny was saying that he's actually added a, a yard of pace, he reckons, over the last little while. And it really feels that uh, the stocks in James McLean have risen significantly over the last little while. I don't think it's been too long ago that people mostly wanted him out of the team or thought he wasn't good enough for Ireland.
1: Uh, are you a fully paid up member to the James McLean fan club? So oh, I'm 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 one of the the biggest members of the the James McLean fan club. I love him. Um, I think like his attitude is, has always been quite admirable. Um, like he's he's of an age now where he's clearly one of the more experienced members of those of that uh, Irish squad. And to hear him talking like that in the press conference, even himself and Stephen Kenny were clearly in good in good form yesterday talking about laughing about. I think Gavin Cooney at the press conference asked. Um, you know, it, it, did James's presence at the press conference mean he was going to be captaining Ireland uh, in this game tonight in, in, in Lourdes? But uh, James joking, like uh, I think the you know the, the chef would probably be, be made captain before me. But of course he was joking. But he's only, he's only as he said, seven caps off 100. Uh, you know, and to become a centurion for your country would be would be quite an achievement for James. Like he offered, I think you, you both agree, he offered a lot more than Enda Stevens did in, in that left wing back position. Um, against Scotland he just looks more dangerous he gets more crosses into the box um, maybe you could argue that, that Stephens was unlucky in that he was taking on a Ukraine team whereas the Scottish team probably plays a different way allowed Ireland to get more crosses into the box but James McLean adds so much to, to that Ireland setup, and when you have the talent of Obafemi and, and Parrot, obviously Obafemi uh, looks like likely to not make the action tonight with injury but when you have that talent in the box you need to get the ball into the box and uh, McLean for all his uh for all that, that, that some people think he doesn't bring a lot to the Irish setup, when he can get the ball into the box like that, um, he creates chances. So, uh, yeah, fully paid up member of the James McLean fan club right here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the
0: show goes, as you say, to Wood tonight for that 7.45 kickoff. Shane, thanks a million for being with us. Appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Good stuff. <laughs> Commenting immediately, uh, James McLean is a terrible player.
2: <laughs> I think he needs to back it up now tonight. Like that's going to be the big thing because he hasn't been consistent. I don't feel, and there was questions over his performances for so long, and he did so well against Scotland. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really backing him tonight to hopefully get a a good performance in, and
0: yeah, he'll shut a few people up. I think. Yeah, I, I think he's been one of the more consistent players in the, the Stephen Kenny era. Uh, Fergus Keogh says if the Formula One drivers are in that much pain, they should refuse to drive, and maybe that's exactly uh what'll happen Fergus over the next little while
2: otB am
0: with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette labs razor with exfoliating bar